Welcome to the Catholic Author Show, the show about fiction for modern Catholic authors. We talk creed, craft, and co-creation rooted in grit, grace, gods, and dragons. I'm your host, Dominic DeSouza, novel lover, all-around creative, and the founder of Catholic Author. We are here to inspire your faith and your fiction. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Um, so my idea for this is um, I was going to go through sort of and just riff on um, the medium of audio, talk about that a little bit, and then go through different styles of audio um, mm-hmm. that affect how you're writing um, and, and and affect what type of show it is. <clears throat> and then I was thinking to go quickly into um, why audio is a good opportunity like why you as a writer should seriously consider audio um mm-hmm. uh, and then i have about five or six scripts to pull up um that we can walk through um that i can go through um and we can talk about it from there i think that's a perfect menu for the show great and then if there are any questions please interrupt me because that'll make it much more interesting i guarantee we'll do you. we'll do well okay let's why don't we just um go right from there so hey friends welcome to the catholic author show today we are joined by uh, peter atkinson i had him over on my other show mastermind for smart catholics and he's graciously accepted to come back and host a uh, kind of a mini workshop for the catholic author community so if you haven't seen his uh kind of intro you know meet peter in 15 minutes i will link that video you can head on over to there uh, Peter, in 30 seconds, tell us about the Merry Beggars and Relevant Radio and what it is you do. All right, 30 seconds. Uh, my name is and Peter go. Atkinson. I am the founder and the um, director of the Merry Beggars. We are the entertainment division of Relevant Radio. We produce original audio programming for a national audience. Relevant Radio has over 196 radio towers across the United States with a potential audience of 200, over 200 million. Um, and so about a year ago, Father Rocky, who's the CEO of Relevant Radio, and I connected, and uh, we said, well, why don't we join forces? And so that's where I am. So we produce original scripts. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of original programming over the next year. That was 30. <laughs> uh, perfect. So um, today we're talking about how to take a, or how to consider or conceive of a story for radio. And the reason why I think this is a particularly phenomenal workshop to be able to bring to the Catholic author community is sharing with Peter last uh, when we were last chatting how we have contests that we run. We've got this website called Legend Fiction for uh, publishing short stories. We've got a community of people who are creating stories all the time, and some of the authors in here are just phenomenal. So being able to kind of partner or point people over to the Merry Beggars as here's an opportunity here is a team that are looking for content, cool content, to turn it into audio drama that can then go on, well, relevant radio to, to reach a national audience. Um, obviously, there's no guarantee that everything you send will be accepted, but that's kind of what we're all about with today with this workshop. So I'm going to, well, turn the mic back over to Peter. The idea, as you just outlined, is how to think about taking a story and turning it into something ready for radio or you know what are the how do we think about radio drama and creating content for radio 
Yeah, and I just want to say too, um, to your audience, uh, I so I'm I'm an artist. I went to Columbia University in New York City to train as an actor, and I performed as an actor, and and so on and so forth. And I did a lot of work uh, with writers and or, or with actors and artists in New York City. And the thing that I found the best way to support artists is to pay them um, and to produce their work, uh, which is a shocker. It's a huge revelation. Well, at least it actually was for me. Uh, and so now what the Mary Bakers is doing and the reason why I'm excited to talk to your audience is we are now in a position to be able to work with, employ, develop new material with and pay uh, writers across the United States. Uh, and we have an ongoing content need for that. Um, one of the shows that uh, your audience might be interested in is um, it's a show called That New Revival. And we're going to launch it next March, um, March of 2023. And if anyone is familiar with Garrison Keillor and Prairie Home Companion, they'll be familiar with um, sort of the format of a radio variety show. We are going to have one hour of that being released every single week, which means that we need um, anywhere between 30 and 60 minutes of scripts every single week. And we pay writers, which is a great wow. thing. Um, so one of the things that I'm hoping to do in this workshop is to sort of lay out what the land of audio looks like currently, because as a writer, you need to know who you're writing for. You need to know what audience you're writing for, and you need to know um, what are the successful uh, mediums, the, success, the successful styles, the successful uh, projects that you can learn from. Um, mm -hmm. You know, an audio story is not the same as a short story. It's not the same as a novel. It's not the same as, um, as you know, anything else. It, it just is its own thing. And audio stories are not the same as each other, right? A podcast is not the same as a radio show, which is not the same you know, and a BBC radio show is not the same as an American radio show. So it, you know, I, I'm excited to connect your audience because I think that if your audience is interested in getting their work produced, if your audience is interested in getting your work produced in front of a national audience um, and finding other artists to collaborate with, then um, then we have that. That's what we're looking for. So um, yeah, I uh, in the workshop, I hope to and Dominic, as I said before, please just hop in and interrupt me uh, at any point. Um, but throughout the workshop, I'm going to try and go through what writing for audio looks like, um, what adapting your existing uh, work to audio looks like, the different audio styles that you'll play with, uh, the sort of lay of the land of audio uh, as it stands right now. And then we'll go through some scripts uh, and just look very quickly, but look at different ways of um different ways of writing so very quickly um the first thing i wanted to cover was what adapting something that you're writing for uh, that you're writing currently uh to an audio format can look like um or, or what is it what do you have to do right so say you have a short story uh and say you know bozo the dog has a bone and he buries the bone but then he um, he has remorse because he realizes that Bozo, he really should have shared this bone with his girlfriend, um, whose name, I don't know, it was a female dog named Dominic. 
um uh putting you on know. the spot yeah now i'm thinking baza and it's like that's dumb baza all right bozo and baza very uncreative dog owners but yep. uh, he realizes he should have shared this um this bone with baza and uh and so he digs up this bone and he delivers it to baza and uh you know happily ever after right so the short story version of that is you have bozo's interior life you have the dog's interior struggles with guilt you know is he is he really committed to this judeo-christian worldview where sharing is caring as we all learn on the playground or is he you know an ayn randian nihilist and he he seeks to become a nietzschean ubermensch of a dog or so and so right so this is the interior life right uber rover yeah yeah the description of the yard the annoying squirrel exactly why he picked that area the the grass wafts under the breeze so and so none of that is an audio none of that is an audio so the question is is how do you take the story of bozo the dog right where you you have his interior life and you translate that into um into an audio story or a radio story um there are a couple ways uh one of the options that people opt for a lot is a device called the narrator right and you can have the narrator in various forms so you can have the sort of omniscient narrator um, they did this in an old radio show called The Shadow. Um, and on The Shadow, you would hear, or um, yeah, you, well, actually, they would have it on The Shadow would be the character of The Shadow would narrate. But then on um, on The Whistler, you would have this omniscient sort of supernatural character narrate everything. So you could have a narrator come in and say, well, Bose of the dog would felt guilty, so on and so forth. The other thing you could do is you could have a confessional narration where the character or the main character would be writing his confession of the events, right? Like, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I feel terrible about this bone. And you have to turn so it, all it's of It's like game. a running monologue of exactly. what you're thinking. You're in their head the whole time and they're talking. Exactly. And you have mm-hmm. to, you would have to turn the external events into an interior dialogue that is dialogue. It's not... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no third person view. It's all done through stream of consciousness or conversation with himself or with others in sort of a confessional. And then the other would be um, similarly would be some sort of journal, right? And uh, which is sort of a style of confession. So you can have this narrator device that helps translate interior life um, and descriptions into um, into uh, audio that the audience is able to hear. Now, the reason that I don't really like that when I'm adapting for radio is, or I, or I try to use it very sparingly is because modern audiences are used to sort of cinematic experiences. Right. So modern audiences like watching movies and visual mediums more than almost anything else. So if we want to get them to listen to an audio medium, we have to try and avoid it just being sort of a 1940s nostalgic piece. And so in that case, what do you do? How do you communicate the, the story? If you're not having a narrator, then you have to have the action either embedded in the dialogue, like for instance, um, you know, Sammy, why did you hit me, right? Or, ow, this glass is really sharp. And you would have the character actually describe the thing that has happened to them. Now it can get a little cheesy, it can get a little cheesy, but you can do it subtly, right? Like this door won't open or, or something similar to that. Um, and then the only other option, if you don't wanna have that is, uh, to have the action be so clear that sound effects are able to communicate um, that they're able to communicate the action of the story. Mm-hmm. Now, my preference is to move away from narration because it feels a little cliched and old. You know, if you if you 
click on a podcast and it says, you know, Joey was standing there in the room alone. He had a hat. It's like, all right, am I listening to an audiobook or am I listening to a radio show or am I listening to a movie? And, like, and that actually sounds like a pretty uh, valuable distinction to make between an audiobook, which would be just yes. the reading aloud and maybe having different people just read aloud the voices as it's printed on the page versus what you're talking about, which is producing for, for audio or for radio or. Yeah. And the thing is, is it, because this, because this has had a resurgence. So audio listening, more people are listening to audio now than I've ever listened to before in the history of the world. Right. They're the, because of the AirPods and the, smartphones, more people are listening um, than ever before, which is great because the audience is larger than ever before, but the terminology hasn't really caught up. And so it's sort of a little clunky of like, do you call it an audio drama? Do you call it a radio show? Do you call it a so on and so forth? But the, dis the distinction that you're pointing out, Dominic, is you have audiobooks where you're actually just reading the text and then you have a radio drama. And it's my belief if you're doing an audio drama or a radio drama, you have to be careful about how you use a narrator voice so that it doesn't, um, so that it can sound fresh, right? Okay. Um, it's 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 tricky. So that that's sort of the main thing when you're honestly writing for audio is like how do you? It's not too complicated, but how do you communicate the action of the story? If you only is, have dialogue, is, sound effects, music, and maybe a little narration, how do you communicate the action of the story? You're going to say. No, I was just going to say, is it is it like watching a movie with your eyes closed or watching a Shakespearean play but with your eyes closed? And all you have is uh, what the characters can say to each other. And then what you can hear, like you said, with a little yeah. bit of narration in there. And so that that's the thing is like, um, the answer is it can be any of those, which is paralyzing when you're a writer, because it's like, okay, well, what do I, what do I do? Yeah. I think you have to, if you're writing, you have to give yourself constraints. And there are different types of audio that, um, that you can write for. So most of the audio that we hear is usually podcasts, like, you know, just people talking to each other, like, oh, what did you do for your weekend? So and so forth. That's not what we're doing at all. The the only the other type of audio that most people hear is commercials, right? And this is overproduced sort of Doritos commercials, you know, whatever, where everything sounds like this and everyone is toxically positive all the time. Um, and if you don't, so neither of those are what we're aiming for, right? We're not aiming for overly produced commercial audio. We're not aiming for relaxed two bros hanging out, drinking beer and, and thinking that they have the answers to life. We're aiming for some version of storytelling. And in the storytelling world, you have, um, you have sort of movies for your, for your ears, which is uh, if you listen to the podcast Homecoming, or there's a podcast called The Truth, which is all sort of audio drama, radio dramas. It's really well produced. Um, those are trying to be cinematic audio for your ears, right? It's trying to communicate it without a narrator, with just really, really good sound design and very clear dialogue. Um, and the best way to learn how to adapt for audio is just to listen to a ton of audio. Um, so growing up, I used to listen to tons of old radio shows. If you go to archive.org and search up um, old time radio single episodes, you will find hundreds of thousands of single episodes. And if you want to write for audio, then I would just suggest start listening to that stuff. Um, so Homecoming is sort of cinematic audio. What we do is I would consider, uh, at least up till now, cinematic audio. We're trying to produce audio without a narrator so that you can sort of see it in your head. And then there's um, 
more cartoonish audio like Adventures in Odyssey, where uh, it's you have a narrator. It's not trying to be as highly produced. It's not trying to be as cinematic. Um, so it just depends on what genre you're writing. And that depends on what company you're trying to write for. So mm -hmm. if you're writing for, you know, if you're writing for that new revival, that's going to have a particular style of voice of um, so on and so forth. So yeah, that's that you, you sort of have to know what company you're writing for, what audience and, and, what, and what format um, and so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. why don't we hop into, I thought uh, I would show you how we adapted a Christmas. Um, we did a project. Thank you, Google Books. We did a project, a Christmas Carol. Um, this is just the actual text of a Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. Starts out with Marley's ghost. Hopefully, everyone knows generally the story. I grew up with this story. I've loved it my whole life, and so it was a natural fit of oh, we're going to adapt this. Um, and if you read it right, um, and this is sort of a fun creative way of dealing with the narrator voice because if you read a christmas carol it's 90 percent narrator yeah so uh -huh. how do you deal with um how do you deal with the narrator voice in an audio drama if you don't want it to be cheesy you don't want it to be um cartoonish you want it to not just be a nostalgia piece but you want it to be cinematic um so uh -huh. we can read through you know marley's ghost marley was dead to begin with there's no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. Now, Dominic, say you were producing this. What would be your first sort of stab in the dark? And you don't have to come up with a brilliant answer because we had months and you have seconds. <laughs> I'm I, like, I'm trying to do that. And like, I don't... <sighs> I don't know. Uh, either two guys talking at a bar about it, Scrooge and somebody else, or that's a good idea. I like that. somebody wanting to hire Marley and learning that he's not available, or somebody Ooh, like reading that. a eulogy uh, while he's he's being sunk in the ground and it's raining. I like all of those ideas. I think those are great. I think if we were going to adapt um, that, I would do it that way. I would probably opt for someone trying to hi hire Marley and. Um, and him learning that he's not available and then sort of gossip around the watering hole of Scrooge. He's, you know, he took everything and I wouldn't go to Scrooge and, and you have this sort of conversation that is exposition, just like in a film. Yeah. And you're able to communicate uh, most of this. That's a good idea. I like that. Now we want a different option. And the reason I'm going to ask, what did you, I know, I know it's interesting. Um, different option let me share the actual script that we produced if i can pull that up um i believe this is it yeah um so the actual beginning here um the actual script that we produced we ended up uh doing something uh, a little bit different and the reason for that was we had weeks to adapt this. So I spent about two weeks, two and a half weeks um, adapting this, working nonstop um, and writing all of this. And I wanted to be able to have a cinematic quality, but I knew that we didn't have time to do a full movie adaptation of what this could look like. So what I ended up doing was um, the, we spent the first episode, we called it Mr. Dickens, is totally extraneous to the actual plot. 
And we opened each one with this really immersive, beautiful scene of an 1800s English culture. So you had wagon wheels, you had choirs in the distance, you had so on and so forth. So trying to like get you out of the audiobook space and directly into this is a movie, right? Wow. Um, and we had the choir and then we had this, we had an actual narrator and this we could afford to be a little nostalgic um, where it was me saying, you know, for your avid enjoyment, you, our radio listeners, direct address, which is something you don't want to do very often, but we thought it would fit this project. Um, you're invited to travel back. And we had just had this little snippet of a narrator at the beginning. And then we went right into uh, the characters of an old man and a boy. And we use these characters, the old man and a boy. Um, you encounter these characters and they take you into a theater in Victorian London where Charles Dickens is reading. He's doing a public reading of a Christmas carol. Uh, how cool. For the first time ever. And this is something Charles Dickens actually did a lot. It's how he became famous um, or it's how he earned a lot of, of money uh, in his in his life. And so we did this sort of meta thing where we had one narrator sort of like, thank you for listening. And then you were swept into this adventure where by episode two, you know, they talk about, um, they start making fun of Edgar Allan Poe and Tennyson and all these different things. Um, and then by, um, you have a presenter come in and he presents the, he presents the, uh, the character of Charles Dickens reading a Christmas Carol. And then by the end of episode one, we've set up Charles Dickens not as a narrator, but as a character inside a world that the audience can listen to. Um, and then later on, uh, and we can look at that exact, uh, exact moment, right? So we have, we actually retained Marley was Ted to begin with. The register of okay. his burial was signed by the clergyman. But it's not a narrator of an audiobook. It's a character of Charles Dickens in okay. the world who's able to give the text expression, who's mm -hmm. able to sell the audience. He's able to perform the, the text. Yeah, um, yeah, he's yeah. not an omniscient narrator. He's a, he's a historical figure. And then we would do these vignettes where mm -hmm. um, we would go into the clergyman and Scrooge at the funeral mm -hmm. of, um, at the funeral of Marley. So, you know, my condolences, Mr. Ebenezer, <clears throat> he's gone on to his reward now. He's at peace quite, quite. And even Scrooge, and it would go on. And so you would do these vignettes where as Dickens would do narration, yeah. there would be um, there would be sound effects and uh, sort of world building around mm -hmm. it. And so that's this is one approach to adapting your writing, right? The value I'm seeing, I'm assuming, it would Please. be you're able to preserve uh, big chunks of the text. You're not having to add tons of new characters mm -hmm to give fresh insight into everything that's happening, especially with Scrooge. He spends a lot of time in introspection in his upper room uh, throughout the story. And I mean, if, unless you're Jim Carrey, it's screaming all the time, but yes. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> so keeping your Dickens character makes a lot of sense. Well, also, and this is sort of a, this is sort of a, a cheap example in one sense, because what's unique about this project is for anyone who loves Dickens, what you love about Dickens is Dickens. Like you love his descriptions, you love his, his the way he characterizes things, so on and so forth. And we found a pretty good balance of, you know, we, we had to cut a lot of Charles Dickens because he would go on and on and it would be like, all right, this needs to go. Yeah, Tolkien. Yeah, well, even worse than Tolkien. Um, and yet we would find these vignettes to throw in. So 
just simple things as cab, cab, yes, thank you, where to, sir, Scrooge and Marley, then the law offices, yes, cabbie, is like, we could have gotten rid of some of the narration if we wanted to um, with these vignettes, but it, it served to sort of support the overall, um, the overall storytelling. Now, another, and one thing to note too, for the authors that are going to be watching this and for yourself is, this is one example of formatting where you have the characters off to the left um, and then the lines off to the right slightly. And then the sound effects are described uh, in all caps underlined. And this is a pretty simple radio format. It's sort of mo modeled the BBC radio format. Okay. You don't need to do it this way. There's no standardized format. It's the same as screenwriting in the sense of find out what the company that you're trying to work with wants in a format and they will tell you exactly what they want and then you should do exactly what they want we use another format that i can pull up um this is a format we're actually uh switching to for upcoming production we, we switched to it for upcoming production and it follows more of a um here i'll share the screen it follows more of a format that you would see in uh, in a screen. And this is an example, uh, a story in which there is no narrator whatsoever. So okay. uh, in this, uh, so this is on the night train. You can, uh, you can go to on the night train.com uh, to learn more, or you will be able to by the end of next week. So on the night train.com is a very complex story in the sense that uh, it's set in 1879. We needed to tell the audience that there was a race between Webster Wagner and his Midnight Express and George Pullman's Night Train. And they are racing across America uh, as two trains trying to be the first transcontinental passenger train across America. And two children, Eden and Paul, are going to be traveling on board this train and their father will mallard runs one of the trains so how do you tell that story like how do you set up that story now if you were writing a short story you would probably go into you know in this society railroad barons ruled the day little children couldn't get apple scraps to eat and you would you would you know you would try to channel your best tale to cities and and sort of set the scene right that you know have this the clouds of pollution. No, we can't do that in audio. So what do we do? Well, we get some of the most iconic characters in all of entertainment, which are news barkers, uh, which are slightly anachronistic to the 1880s, um, I think. Uh, but these news barkers come in and they, we, you know, again, I really believe in really high quality sound design to set the scene. We have horses clopping, carriages rolling, so on and so forth. And we use the barkers to do our exposition. Good morning, Chicago. Wake up. The world is changing. Don't be left behind. It's New Year's Eve. So on and so forth. So you plunge into the story. They accomplish your exposition. They set the scene. They, um, the, the, the trick with writing for audio is everything has to be in the dialogue, but you have to consistently follow the same rules. Um, you can't have the dialogue ever be. So you, you constantly have to follow inciting incident rising action climax falling action denouement like you have to follow that arc the aristotelian story arc in every scene with every dialogue so on and so forth so in this one you have um the inciting incident is good morning chicago they're yelling 
the rise in action um, is New Year's Eve, last day of 1879. They're telling you sort of exposition. And then it ends on the button or the climax of the scene, the race across America. So even every scene has that same natural arc and that keeps the audience hooked. One of the things that I've learned as an audio producer is in audio, your audience has about three to five seconds before they tune out. If you start listening to audio and you're not into it, you will just close it down. So you have to have a hook or something that will that will um, hook your audience in. And Good Morning Chicago, Wake Up, 1880 Street is a, is a pretty good hook. Um, and then this is just sort of fun to look at is the first scene of the entire series. You have um, a detailed soundscape, you know, sound of the barkers come back in, fading in underneath the music. One thing I would suggest to all your writers is don't describe the scene unless it's a sound effect or dialogue or very basic information like the year, right? You can do, get away with some of that. You need to put it in either sound effects or in dialogue. Why? Because if you describe it in your mind, you'll think, oh, the audience will get this. But unless it's in a sound effect or it's in dialogue, there is no way for the audience to actually get that information. And when I've worked with writers, what I've found is that, um, they'll leave out things in dialogue or not realize they need to put it in a sound effect or sound design mm -hmm. because they'll think, Oh, well, this is in the scene description or this is, you know, so on and so forth. So. Uh, it takes, um, takes show. Don't tell to a whole new level. Oh, it's a hundred percent show. Don't tell. Yeah. But um, what I'm loving about yeah. hearing this is it, it's making so much sense um, to just learn this as a, as an approach to just to just improving your craft and storytelling anyway, to improve your dialogue, to actually make the dialogue uh, pull its weight in in the story, uh, not just for, for radio or audio, but in just general storytelling. I think it's it's uh, it's very 19th century and 18th century to have huge blocks of exposition. It's far more modern from what I can tell today to be far snappier, far more immediate, far more precise with your descriptions and then all the focus goes into characterization, character involvement, dialogue, and so on. And this is like phenomenal. Yeah. Exercise. So with 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 um with developing audio stories, some of the things that I found um you every okay when we were developing, we spent a year and a half developing these scripts with about four people working on them. Uh, more people reading them and it was full-time jobs like wow. these were it was it was intense um door, we started off we we started off the right way is we drew up an outline of the plot we didn't start writing we drew out an outline of the plot we wrote pages of background information on every character and then we started to develop an overall schema of the plot and we started editing the schema of the plot before we ever started writing any scene. And that allowed us to get sort of a grip on, on the storytelling. The thing that I've seen happen in stories a lot is, and, and this applies to all storytelling, but it's especially evident in audio, your character needs stakes. It needs to have, the character needs to have a really strong objective and there needs to be a really big obstacle preventing him or her from getting to that objective which then creates the conflict, which is the story, right? Mm -hmm. No conflict, no story. In uh, On the night train, 
a lot of times when both working with the actors and working with the, um, Kylie, the writer, who's just a wonderful playwright, she, I, I would constantly say to her, like, this is a good scene. The characters are strong, but where is the stakes? Where are the stakes? What do they want? What is the objective in the scene? And a lot of this comes from my acting background, which has helped me a lot in, as a producer. But you need to be able to say, you know, Georgie wants the cookie and it is so strong that um, he's willing to overcome any obstacle. And the problem is that his house is on fire. Um, and yet he is willing to figure out a way into the kitchen, which has not burned down yet. And, uh, and his parents are trying to prevent it. Right. That's not a good story, but it's a story. There's a conflict there. And then the dialogue springs off that anytime dialogue is not working, you have to go back to the fundamentals of, um, character having an objective and an obstacle being in the way of that objective, which then creates conflict which then is the action of the story. And that structure applies to an entire um, series. It applies to a scene. It even applies to conversations inside a scene, right? You might have an entire series, like the night train. The entire series is two kids want to go on the night train to California. Their obstacle is lots of sabotage trying to destroy the night train. And so they have to solve the sabotage to get to California and protect their dad's job on the night train. That's the entire arc. Inside an episode, it's, um, they were left off of the train, or actually inside an episode, it's um, the train is stopped because a bridge has been down. Um, so they have to wait until the bridge is repaired and uh, then they'll get back. And inside a scene in that episode is, they were left outside of uh, the train and the train is leaving and they have to race to catch up to the train, right? And there's the objective the characters with a desire with something blocking that desire and then they have the conflict to get over that and then inside that scene there's dialogue of uh, the kids are running after the train they want to get inside the kitchen car but the door won't open Bam. anytime dialogue or character is not working i have like five tricks that i'd use when i'm working with writers i'm not i don't really know too many things but i know these five things and one that always works is Anytime dialogue isn't working, anytime plot isn't working, it's always going back to, are the characters strong? Do they have a really strong objective? And is there a big enough obstacle that they're trying to get past? And then the dialogue comes from that. And you lose a lot of fluff and audio around dialogue. But if you have the fundamental strong, then the storytelling is just very um, straightforward. It's just very... Uh, one of the biggest revelations for me as a producer was just learning the structure of writing and with audio, you don't have anything to hide behind. Like it's plot, yeah. right? You don't have, um, you don't have descriptions. You don't have interior thoughts. You don't have feelings of guilt, except insofar as they're expressed in action or dialogue, you know, like it's, it's all to me when I'm working with writers and producing audio, it's all about, is the structure strong? Are the mental strong? And then just figuring out how you communicate that through sound effects and through audio. Um, that's sort of that's sort of my take when I'm mm. working on different scripts. Yeah. For those who are who are doing that, who either have existing stories and and would and think, hey, this could be really cool because I've got a ton of characters doing stuff and there's a lot of dialogue in here, and I could see that being even more dialogue to to kind of communicate the story. You said the word fluff in in your dialogue. How do you avoid that or what should, you know, 
like what should you look for to avoid fluff in dialogue and the the sort of ancillary problem of well if i've got to describe my whole scene and what i look like and, and what this scene looks like and the fact that there's smoke in the sky you know like you mentioned smog mm. in 18th century london whatever how do you avoid being over like um obvious because i've heard this with other either audiobooks or, or radio shows where it's like nobody would ever actually talk that way um, yes and it's going on for too long i know you mentioned there's a certain level of hokiness you, you kind of have to put up with but how would you um, parse that? Um, what I've seen every producer and casting director trust more than anything is just their gut about when they get bored. If, if, and it's, it's all really hard to do this with your own writing, right? Is like, because you think your writing is amazing. It's your precious child, right? And, and also, um, you know where it's going to end up. You know, maybe they're yes. going through it the first time. If you think about movies, James Bond never tell, well, so a lot of it depends on genre, right? A lot of it depends whether you're writing an action film, a comedy or whatever, right? There, there are my genres, which I have a bias towards are science fiction and mystery. Um, I love both those genres. I think science fiction and mystery work really well for audio because mystery is very cerebral. Audio works very well with, um, puzzles and thinking through things and sort of more more cerebral stuff and science fiction is great because you can create a a 15 million dollar uh spaceship for five bucks using sound effects um and it just communicates the visuals like that it's awesome but depending on what genre you're writing there's you know for action right your there should be there should never be any any physical description unless it applies to the plot i mean i i would be very suspicious of like physical description, right? You don't, what, what color is James Bond's hair? Or like, you know, what does James Bond ever really describe? The, James Bond is a good example of like, the dialogue is always service to the plot. Mm -hmm. And and what I do, my method for doing what you're talking about is breaking down the structure into a schema. So um, let me actually pull up the schema for i don't know if schema is a word that lots of other people use when referring to this but that's what we use internally so um this is the uh writing and this is writing resources and this is the schema that we used so this schema is not totally accurate to everything um because we edited a bunch of things going forward but this is what we use to plot the entire structure of on the night train we used bullet point by bullet point by bullet point to go through the action of the um, going through the action of the story and finding the plot points that actually need to happen. And then the writer, when she was working through this, would um, would refer to this schema as she was writing. Mm -hmm. And so when she was going through and editing the dialogue, um, a lot of it depends upon taste, you know, like, um, Kylie, the playwright has a real gift for writing family dynamics and a gift for writing, um, really funny character things. But sometimes, um, she would have the characters talking about blueberry pancakes and blueberry pancakes are great, but they talked about them a lot. And so I was like, Kylie, this needs to go. And so we, we just said, okay, this needs to go. It doesn't serve the plot. And it left, um, it left forevermore. 
So it's hard to give sort of a, a cut and dry answer because it's it's so much of it is prudence and taste. Mm -hmm. But I find that having a solid structure, a plot structure that you're confident in allows you to have a lot more freedom with cutting and adding back in dialogue. Does that does that answer your question? Does that help? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um uh I think kind of a case in point is um uh with legend fiction the project that we run with Catholic author. I see a lot of stories come in for the contests and so on and invariably I see a lot of description that people go to like oh here's what it, he looked like or she looked like and you know their eye color and and they catch a glimpse of themselves in the mirror because we got to get that in. And then more recently I was tackling one of my own stories and realized it actually doesn't matter at all what my character looks like. I'm just going to let the reader fill that in and just get right to who is she, not what does she look like, and have her doing things immediately. And it sounds like that's uh, that's going to, you know, that would translate better into the kind of thing that you're talking about here, unless there's some like really amazing, like you got a redhead, you know, or a shock of hair, or you're totally bald except for a braid, you know, something yeah, that actually contributes to the character. I'll also say, so uh, this is a method that we got from Buzz McLaughlin, who's a wonderful writer, playwright, and teacher who um, you know as well. Um, and we developed these character files that go oh, cool. through exactly all of the different physical traits, the family situation, the religious beliefs, the political beliefs, if they have any of either, their marital status, close friends, place in community, interior world, leisure times, activities, so on and nice. so forth. Because okay. When you're writing stories for audio and you want them to be grounded and beautiful and cinematic, you need to have answers to all of the questions, right? Mm -hmm. You need to have answers to the questions of what her hair color is and how confident she is and, um, you know, what her skin color is, what her hair color is. Does she have trauma in her past? Like all that stuff. Think through that stuff. You have to do that yes. stuff, but don't put it all in the writing mm -hmm. because it will come through. I mean, Think about um, think about like uh, real life dialogue, right? I don't know you very well. I don't know your backstory, but I know so much about you by the way that you're using your intonation and your voice to communicate, right? Like the person's soul comes through their voice, and that's the beautiful thing about audio, right? As an actor, I was trained a lot in how to let my entire experience come through in my vocal quality, right? Um, it's amazing. It's it's really incredible uh, to, to work with actors and realize that, you know, um, say two actors are talking to each other and one says, uh, <laughs> one says, um, darling, do you love me? And uh, the husband says, don't, uh, don't ask me that, right? Now, what do you think don't ask me that means? I mean, just your first guess. What, what would you think he means by that? Well, depending on how it's said, you know, it could be you exactly. should already know or. Um, exactly. Right. So, yeah. you know, darling, do you love me? Don't ask me that, you know, or darling, don't you love me? Don't ask me that. Or darling, don't you love me? Don't ask me that. Or like there, you know, there's so many different ways. And so what you want to avoid, what, what you need to do is you need to find directors and artists who can take what you are writing mm -hmm. and create from that. Mm -hmm. You as a writer, and this is, I'm really glad you asked this question. You as a writer, when you are writing for audio, you are no longer in control of the final product. Mm. 
That's how somebody really interprets important. the way a character speaks. And a story says, is told three times. I heard this and I'm stealing it as my own because it makes me sound smart. A story is when it's written, when it's performed, and when it's edited. Same thing happens in you write, you know, the passion of the person directs it and then he edits it. Okay. Um, Zach Efron was in a movie, I think it was a remake, a remake of Baywatch. I never saw it. Um, but I, I, one of my friends uh, was hanging out with Zach and which makes me sound much more popular than I am. Uh, but he was hanging out with Zach and Zach was saying that he was frustrated because his performance was edited so that in one scene, it was not just one performance. It was like three or four or five different performances that were edited together. Mm -hmm. Now you can try and control that. You can try and write in your script, you know, this line needs to be said this way, or this line is said concerned with a touch of anxiety and the character is thinking about his childhood drama, right? That's a terrible way to write for, uh, for audio because one, you can't make people do that. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work at all. Um, and then two, you, it loses a lot of the beauty and power of writing for audio or writing for film, which is your script is no longer, unlike a novel, unlike a short story, your script is no longer a complete world in and of itself, right? Mm -hmm. You're not controlling the entire audience or, or um, reader's experience. What mm -hmm. your script is, that is if you're not directing or producing your own stuff, but even then, your script is a proposal or a gesture to another artist to receive, process, and then create based off of that or in response to that. Mm -hmm. um, good scripts are very striking and you can direct, you can be particular, you can put in sound effects, you can, you know, you can find your own style of writing, but Ultimately, the director or the producer will receive that script and then respond to that. Um, mm -hmm. And so the trick or the, or the craft of writing for audio is creating a world with the depth of reality, the depth of character, the strength of plot and, and of desire in the characters that the, the director can come up against your dialogue and say like, okay, what is this? And he, he or she investigates this and then comes up with something else in response to it. Um, so you shouldn't try and prescribe everything. You should try and mm -hmm. develop strong enough characters so that you, you don't need or want to put everything into the audio. Instead, mm -hmm. you put enough into the audio to communicate the essentials of the plot, to communicate the action, to communicate the character, the subtext, and then you can talk to the director and have a good relationship with the director and say, oh, this is my vision for this, this is what I'm thinking. But then it's up to the director to sort of create the world around it as well. I think that's such an interesting uh, difference between these two mediums. When you're, you're writing a story, it, you're like, you're trying to sort of sit inside your reader's brain and say, this is how I meant the story to be. Uh, felt yes. and understood and and here is my take and i want you to hear it in you know with my intonation and so on and i'm going to try to put that into paragraphs of description and so on but in this one here i loved how you described you're you're creating something that you are intending another artist to take and provide their own inflection and that's how you get like you take shakespeare you can read the words on a page and then you'll have seven different takes on a great example yeah you know and none of them are wrong and none of them are right 
I mean, there are, the there are ranges, there are ranges. Right, some right. of them, some of them I think are wrong, <laughs> but, but, right. but the, that's what it's intended to do. Um, and so one of the thoughts that I wanted to share was, um, so I studied classics in undergrad and when we would translate from Latin or Greek or whatnot, one of the things that uh, my teachers would say would be translation is interpretation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you can't render a Latin poem in English because it's not Latin anymore. It's a different poem. You're making judgments on it. When you adapt a work or a short story for audio, it is a different story. It might have the same characters. It might have the same general plot, but it is a different story. And if you try and retain the novel in the adaptation, um, it'll be just a bad a bad audio story. I thought of one thing that we could close or, or wrap up on. So this is a um, this is a script written by me, uh, but it wasn't really. It was written by Kylie Hatch. Uh, <clears throat> so this is a, a trailer mm -hmm. um, that we've been working on. So this is uh, this is a trailer for the Night Train series, and it starts with um, exterior Chicago streets, dawn of December 31, 1879. Um, Exterior, EXT, just stands for exterior, INT. Uh, we have sound of train idling at the station. I don't say what sound or anything like that. Um, voiceover, the Mary Vegas presents, sound of the street outside the station. People, Siri is trying to eavesdrop on our conversation. Um, the uh, sound of the street outside the station. Good morning, Chicago, wake up, the world is changing, don't be left behind. New Year's Eve, 1879. Train whistle blares, sound of train traveling on tracks on the night train. Interior, Paul's bedroom, Paul Emerson Mallard. The night train leaves today. We promised daddy we wouldn't be late. Oh no, did the night train leave without me? I'm up, I'm up. What mysteries are in store for the night train? The accidents aren't happening in the night train are accidents. Someone is trying to sabotage the night train and so on and so forth. Um, and it goes on, it's just uh, five pages. And mm -hmm. let me actually pull up uh, a slightly uh, different script. And I, I think I can share audio on this as well. So let me, I apologize for the delay. Um, no worries. Here you go. Awesome. So this is but let me see if I can, uh, I can, sh can I share audio? Yeah, there should be a little button that says, um, when sharing the window or tab, play the browser audio. I don't think I can actually. Cause, uh, cause this is video live. Oh, well that's, you guys will just have to listen to the trailer. On, <laughs> we'll on put the a link in the, in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but in this, in this trailer, uh, it's only two pages long. Uh, this goes through and tries to display the entire on the night train in just two pages. And if you look through this script, the Mary Vegas presents, good morning, Chicago, wake up, the world is changing. It is New Year's Eve, 1879, on the night train, Paul Mishamala, the night train leaves today, so on and so forth. You'll notice that there isn't very much sound design and there isn't any music direction whatsoever. Okay. It's just the bare essentials of what the teaser trailer needs to be to communicate the overall idea of the series and get people to listen right and this is a good example of what is a script like versus what is the actual audio like 
you as a writer need to communicate the plot. You need to have a really good plot, a really tight plot, well-developed plot, but you don't need to create the final product. Um, and that's a really important distinction. And so you can look at this script, sort of see how we put it together and then compare it to uh, the actual audio trailer that's available or will be available next week on onthenighttrain.com. So I don't know how helpful I've been, but I hope I've given sort of a glimpse into what adapting and writing for audio looks like. Um, if you want to write for audio and you want to get your work published or produced, uh, I'd recommend start listening to old radio shows, start listening to Johnny Dollar, which has a great example of um, a narrative device. The entire show is just his expense account. Um, and he goes through each item and it's this like action-packed detective adventure. X minus one is a great show. The Shadow, The Whistler, Gunsmoke, Five Minute Mysteries, The Mercury Theater. All of those are, are great um, ways to learn the audio form and then start developing original writing for it. And if you want to be uh, produced, get in touch. Um, and uh, we're, we're constantly looking for writers. So I think that's a fantastic place to wrap right there. So if people do want to reach out to you, to uh, uh, if they have stuff that they want to send to you, uh, where can they go? Who do they? Who should they expect to email? Or is there a contact form? What's that like? What is we that will like? have a contact form. Um, we're redeveloping part of our website right now. Um, for right now, you can just email Peter at themarybeggers.com. That's P-E-T-E-R at T-H-E-M-E-R-R-Y-M-B-E-G-G-A-R-S.com. Fantastic. Well, friends, I hope that this was helpful. I hope that you enjoyed this. And uh, man, I hope some of us follow up on it and send the Merry Beggars some stuff. Otherwise, check out the trailer uh, linked in the show notes. Thanks again, Peter, for coming back. Uh, this was amazing. And I think that there's a lot of really practical advice that was covered in here that just helps writing in general, whether or not you go the radio route. Um, but thanks again for coming back. It was great to have you with us. was my pleasure, Dominic. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please give it a thumbs up. Go ahead and uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, Spotify. You know, you can head on over to catholicauthor.us and join the mailing list and get notified uh, usually each Wednesday once a week of all of the new podcasts and blog posts that we've written and the updates going on in our community. But please do share up the one person that you think would really like to hear this particular interview uh, and maybe learn from the guest that we just chatted with. Um, you know, come and check us out at the community we're building in Catholic Author. It's the super friendly creative community for the modern Catholic author. Come and give, get feedback, share your insights and your works in progress, build a network of supportive friends. Plus, there's a whole lot more going on. Check us out. Join us at catholicauthor.us. Until next time, keep writing. <laughs>